Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
Alan Greenwich was shot today as police arrived to investigate two grisly murders. They say the women's feet were sewn together at the bottoms of the corpses with the mere images of each other. Through blank silences, twilight stuffed with plastic light, beyond nights falling gray and dead, I climbed. It was not art or dream or darkness that brought me out from the pit of the world. It was blood. I had been focused to primal dimensions. I had what upon appetites that caused space itself to open its swirling maw, devouring stars, gnawing at the bones of creation. I was the moment of the kill, the last light before death, and I was coming for him, the eater of idols. Fire and shadow spoke me back to life, and I stood before the thing that had once, through treachery, cast me down. My enemy had been injured, its blood spilled. I had been conjured back to life through the magic of its dying. But I would not spoil my victory with even the slightest taste of advantage. My teeth tore open the flesh of my arm, and I fed the flagging beast a thick stream of my blood. The son of the White Queen fell upon the ground, devouring my offering where it fell reveling in the strength I had allowed it to recapture. I smiled when the demon rose up before me, renewed, confident, doomed. My family raged from the churning waters nearby. My father roared for me to take him up, his hunger burning maniacal and bloody. With a single look, I quieted him. He knew immediately, this fight was mine, and mine alone. By my bare hands, I would unwrap this creature's bones, feast on its darkness, feel the gristle of its soul snap and pop between my teeth. The mother of the dead looked on from behind her corpse of voided trees, her empty eyes showing wild and worried, my killing smile butchering her confidence in bestial sons and the diablery of wicked mothers. The Eater of Idols howled as once it had when we first met, and as before, it charged. But unlike our last contest, I did not move. We collided like a thunderclap, muscles tearing and bones creaking, hands threaded in massive knots. The creature should have overcome me easily, given its immense size and supernatural pedigree, but I would not allow it. I crushed its giant hands like eggshells underfoot, the quartered muscles of its claws becoming viscous beneath my grasp, its bones grinding to dust. I inhaled the eater's screams as they escaped its mouth and spat them back into its face. I pulled the monster closer, whispering beneath the din of its pain. Once I've consumed you, I will piss what's left of your soul into a hole in the ground. This, I promise you, usurper. 
My grin transformed into flashing jaws as I ripped out the creature's lashing tongue and swallowed it into my depths. I could feel it convulse at its first taste of my burning fluids. The Eater of Idols struggled to free itself from my grip, but I only put it to its knees, laughing as thunderously as ever my father had. Just beyond the glen, straddling the lines that mark the boundaries of worlds, I sensed another presence, cold and lean and endless. The Shepherd of Wolves was with me. He had come with purpose. Here was vengeance. Sickly yellow clouds began to wheel overhead, and the air began to sour into a graveyard mist. Forks of lightning shot from gathering storm clouds as a worried mother tried to save her lamb from the wolves. Thunder smashed down upon my mirth, failing to quell the flood of laughter that overflowed me. Out of sheer desperation, the eater lunged at me, its gaping maw trying to engulf my entire head. I thrust the monster's own arm deep into its mouth, my laughter dancing with the fury of the storm. I began to roar as I ripped the arm fully from its socket, forcing the massive limb further down its throat. The Eater of Idols shuddered as it died, an earthquake in my arms. The storm faded with the hopes of a broken mother. With the eyes of the two gods upon me, I gathered my family. My father was quiet to the touch, having exhausted his volcanic rage through me. His steel was cold, proud. My sisters glittered in the moonlight, smiles like songs. They sang my praises, and I nearly cried at the sight of them. The shepherd had been with me, preserved me from the storm, made me into his vengeance. But it all meant nothing to me. In truth, I was no wolf, only an artist in love with a dream. A dream worth killing for, again and again. I would slay the shepherd himself and rip the dreams from his blackened guts if I thought them imprisoned there. Yet if winning his game meant seeing dreams past the threshold, then I would win. Tonight, I became stronger for having died. My chances were improving all the time. I turned to the fading presence behind the dead white trees, where sallow eyes hung like skinned fruits, naked and gathering flies. A mother is God in the eyes of a child, I said, spitting upon the crumpled corpse of her rotting son. The night was calling to me. I slipped into the shadows as my extended family welcomed me back. It was horrible, coming back to the dead world. It wasn't merely that I had been exposed to the utter cancellation of dreams, washed away beneath a wave of boiling black pavement, or that I had been made solid and soulless, an idle statue abandoned to a forgotten basement. It was the thoroughly sickening revelation upon my return that I was grateful for having been renewed within the lands of the dead. I was relieved to see the acrid smoke of industry, the gray pitch of ash blowing across eons, the unchanging ugliness. The realization nearly killed me all over again. I was fortunate, however, that my next destination was one of the more dream-haunted locations of the world, playing to the calm timbre of fortified confidences in solidity and sanity. Willard, 
a place of glittering madness, a jewel tucked into the throat of a corpse. It would be my temporary reprieve, and hopefully, my redemption. Lessening my swelling disgust at my reincarnation was the most recent entry into my journal, the words of my greatest adversary, Jack Lantern. There was a guiding light to his logic, if only the dim foxfire of a darkened swamp, doubtful and misleading. But at the very least, his paradigm was cogent and internally consistent, if ultimately incorrect, despite the alleged scrutiny leveled at my exposed dreams. There was value in delusion, especially if it should have absolutely no part in logic or material truth, a waking dream in many respects. The Soul Carver had peered too long into the eyes of the White Mother, convincing himself of the bottomlessness of her kingdom, that only masks could make the world suitable for living. I am not a mask, Jack. I am fire. I will set this corpse world aflame upon the pyre of my art, or I will die trying, very likely at the glimmering edges of your own exquisite knives. But first, there was the wonderful Mr. Hyde, that connoisseur of swapped skins, reflector of inner truths via the display of their more honest exteriors. Again, and to import a fraction of my criticism of poor Jack Lantern, there is little use for truth in graveyards. The only truths that lurk there consist of the certainty of death and the displacement of dream. All else, as they say, is mere window dressing even if that dressing were made from the most skilled fashioning of once living tissue. Despite a certain contempt of self, I was grateful for having dealt a decisive blow against the mistress of corpses, felling her miserable son. But there was much more work to be done before I could completely smother her in dream, and I would be a fool to count Mr. Hyde among the tombstones. The road to Willard was long, and nicely decorated. Shade trees lined the trampled paths that looped around thick stands of thorns, and the sun fell in honeyed pools which made the day mercifully tolerable. Granted, the dead world expresses no pure, unfiltered beauty, yet the woods, these woods in particular, hung close to the bygone dreams, for reasons I would not care to fathom for fear of spoiling their secrets. I'd forged my bones from mystery, and so the suspense of my journey was especially revitalizing, growing wonder as potent as the hemlock I crushed underfoot. I made stops, of course, at places hewn from the shrouded wisdom of the darkness, when men and women existed without pretense or pride, our great meditation of the shadow within us all. One location was especially handsome, shaped as much from forbidden imagination as from stone the gray crowd. Unfortunately, due to society's custom of burying the dead, the skins that once dressed the thousands of limestone statues were removed and placed into the earth. But even without their clothing, the statues still lurched, purposelessly, through the woods, which I took as a criticism of life before the darkness. Rock-solid souls weighing down dead skins, men and women stumbling through the world like listless corpses. Despite the statue's current state of undress, I was glad to know that a tradition had sprung up shortly after the close of the darkness. On the eve of that grand day's anniversary, 
The statues had been found year after year, once again repossessed of their skins, if only those of animals. And despite certain ideas to demolish the statues, ridding the world of their biting reproach once and for all. But when the skins of those persons most vocal about supporting the effort were found, decorating a number of the Grey Lurchers, the public seemed to lose all interest in the proposal. It took my chance meeting with the shambling figures to reflect a moment on my next adversary, to truly appreciate his art for what it was. While I found the rearrangement of skins to be a rather wasted enterprise, as Hyde's efforts seemed less about revealing truth than merely fine-tuning it, I began to see the dream in it. The skin switcher's vision wasn't necessarily expressed within his product, but rather through his process. It was my opponent's ability to reshape the humors of nature to match his dreams that truly intoned the man's creative power, a force that stitched morality to flesh, simultaneously cultivating the lies and truths of his subjects. In a way, the giant killer was like myself, if only on the basic level of intent. We both would see the world dressed in our dreams, but that was as far as the comparison went. While his vision was fulfilled by sculpting flesh to reflect scruples, my art was a tireless invocation of dream, to unmake facts, moral or otherwise, and replace them with the seamless wonder of lost worlds. So, I suppose you might distinguish our dreams by their respective extents. Mine tripped beyond the world, while Hyde's remained trapped within it. Now, I'm certainly not fond of the qualification of dreams, but I must admit, some dreams are better than others. Apart from the boundaries of his vision, the products of Mr. Hyde's process were marvels to behold, and would dignify any nightmare in which he would encounter them. It was perhaps the intrinsic limitations of his calling that allowed for Hyde to so completely encompass its nuances and elevate its character, lifting the art of skin-swapping to the level of visual philosophy. Skin should be so lucky as to come under his knife. Again, and likely not for the last time, the Shepherd's Game would force me to destroy a kindred spirit, and my heart was heavy for it. But wolves must be wolves, even those would rather be artists. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities, we learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.